Hi, and welcome to First Bite, a Nation's Restaurant News Podcast. I'm your host, Holly Petrie. Today is Friday, March 1st, and here are your top stories. First, Wendy's pays the price for comments on digital menu board potential. Surge or dynamic pricing becomes a hot-button issue across the restaurant landscape. Second, co-branded IHOP Applebee's restaurants may come to the U.S. soon. Dine Brands just opened its eighth co-branded IHOP Applebee's, and the prototypes are generating twice as much revenue as traditional standalones. Third, Outback Steakhouse parent Bloomin' Brands is closing 41 restaurants. CEO David Denno says the closures are part of a periodic review and involve older leases from the 1990s and 2000s. Fourth, Chipotle doubles its venture fund to pursue more startup partnerships. Chipotle's Cultivate Next Fund has been doubled to $100 million to pursue new partnerships in supply chain, agriculture, automation, and more. And finally, 35 years of the Women's Food Service Forum. Serious, substantial, impactful, and fun. As the WFF marks its milestone anniversary this year, co-founder Edna Morris and CEO Therese Gerhardt reflect on the work that's been done and what's to come. Now let's dive deeper into one of these stories. In just a few short weeks from now, the WFF will convene in Dallas to celebrate its 35th anniversary with about 3,000 attendees expected and more than 75 partners supporting the organization. As the famous feminist-themed 1960s advertising slogan read, you've come a long way, baby. Indeed, the WFF's timeline from a conversation in Chicago to now is remarkable. The board of directors was created in 1992. In 1998, WFF held its first Executive Women's Summit. For the 25th anniversary celebration, Maya Angelou was the keynote speaker, while former First Lady Michelle Obama was the keynote speaker in 2018. For more on the story, let's turn to Alicia Kelso. So Alicia, here we are March 1st. It is Women's History Month. I know, congratulations. Uh, So we've (laughs) arrived at Women's History Month, but here at NRN, we've been doing a program for a while called Women in Food Service uh, that you started that is year-round. Um, But it has culminated with this new partnership with the Women's Food Service Forum around their 35th anniversary. So can you tell me a little bit about what's been happening on our website, what we can expect from WFF this year, and just sort of like your thoughts around the topic? Sure. Um, And, you know, I could talk about this for hours and hours and hours, but that's what we're here for today for, for, for First Bite, of course. Um, but I, I started at NRN in early October 2022, and about a month later, I went to a show. I won't say which show, but I remember being at this conference and thinking, holy cow, are there any other women here? And there were, and I had interviews probably with all three of the other women there. And, you know, it was one of those optic optics that just really stuck out to me in a way. It was stunning. And I've been covering this industry since 2010. I've been to every single conference you can imagine. And I just remember thinking, I, I, I can't believe that it's still this way. And the women, the three or four women that I spoke to, I had interviews with during that conference, it, it became an organic conversation among us it, because it was optically stunning to to them as well. And I don't think it was, you know, the fault of the organizers of the conference or anything like that. I just think it's one of those things where our industry still has a lot of work to do. And in what kind of way, 
you know, I is something beyond, you know, my position to really solve for, but I, I do want to try and, and do what we can, you know, from our unique perspective, which is super high level as uh, a trade publication, um, with the ability to connect, uh, with so many different organizations, it's so many different people at so many different levels, um, to at least progress the conversation here. I think that's, I, as journalists, that's where we can probably best add value. So I returned uh, from that show and and ran it up, um, you know, ran it up the ladder to my, you know, to my bosses. And we all kind of concluded that we are going to create this women in food service program. And essentially what it is, is a special program on our website where we are creating content all year round, elevating stories of women who are, I guess, anomalous, uh, who have made it to the C-suite in this industry. It's still only, it's still, uh, excuse me, it's still less than 15%. So anomalous, I think, is an appropriate word here. Uh, but more than that, you know, understanding, uh, talking to companies about their programs that work in a training and development perspective, talking, uh, you know, to franchise organizations um, you know, that have uh, created successful networks, um, you know, for, for women uh, and safe spaces and and all kinds of, um, you know, things along those lines, sharing best practices, um, sharing, like I said, those case studies, making the business case for this in, in, in the way that we can, um, and just providing as much comprehensive and holistic content as we can about the industry and what has been working and what has not been working. You know, there are companies that have strived for much, uh, you know, for huge ambitious goals that have fallen short. Why? And I think our, again, as in our unique position, that's what we are able to do is tell these stories and progress the conversation uh, along. So that is the goal of the women in food service uh, uh, program as it, as it stands today. And the intention is to have this conversation, very intentional conversation all year round, because Holly, as you know, uh, and as we talked, you know, with our colleague Joanna about, and all of our colleagues really, our inboxes start to get really flooded around February 20th, <laughs> you know, through, through March 8th, really international women's day, and, um, you know, we just want this conversation to be an all all year round thing because the, we're still very far away from parity uh, in this industry. And what I think needs to be solved here is we talk about the parity levels for both representation and a VP and above level. Um, and the pay gap is still 77 cents per do- uh, every ma- uh, male dollar on a manager at a manager level. These are still happening in, in 2024. And why this industry, I think, is maybe disproportionately impacted by those disparities is because women make up uh, a majority of frontline workers in this industry. We are about 65% of frontline workers. And women make up a majority of food service decisions as well. Where's the family going to eat? Where are, where are our share of stomach dollars going to go? So not only are we the you know um, higher levels of frontline workers, we are also higher levels of consumers, um, you know. And so the the gap, it, it I think needs to be closed. There's an urgency there, at least you know for for a lot of the women in this industry. So 
Do you think that this gap between women in the C-suite and the fact that women are frontline workers and those making the food decisions, do you think that more women in charge could theoretically make companies more successful because they understand these decisions in a way that men maybe may not? This could just be a completely hypothetical situation. Sure. And I don't think it's an either or. I don't think it's they could you know, this isn't a, this isn't an anti-man thing. You know, we, we have to have everybody at the table. Um, we just don't have enough women at the table. And, it, you know, what, it, what does parity look like? If we get to 50% women at the C-suite or VP and above, or even on the board, it, it's not representative of, you know, those frontline worker demographics or those consumer uh, purchasing power demographics. So I don't think that's the goal is to get to those 63% C-suite women. That's, you know, I don't think that's even um, feasible. But yes, we should have diverse representation. And that also obviously includes people of color, um, you know, at the table, making decisions about their consumers, making decisions about their, the vast majority of their workforce. And I do want to note, because you mentioned sort of in the intro here, you know, what we're able to do as journalists, what our, you know, I, I don't want to say limits, but what our uh, core competency is it, from the seat that we sit in, in a high level objective, you know, point of view, um, fed by this data that I just kind of, you know, provided an overview of. Um, one thing that I think we wanted, we, we wanted to add a little bit more value here, and that's where the, the Women's Food Service Forum Partnership uh, comes in. So we had this, you know, we had this women in food service program on our website all year. And about a month ago, we culminated that with a, a partnership with WFF, which coincidentally, not coincidentally, but is celebrating its 35th anniversary um, this year. It is a game changer. Unquestionably, there are about 3000 people who come to this annual conference every year. Um, the organization has added 365 day programming you know, lunch and learns, uh, other networking opportunities. It is doing what needs to be done in terms of networking and connection and, um, you know, skills development, all the things, uh, you know, that I think have been historically missing in this industry uh, to move the needle toward parity. And, uh, you know, what's fascinating about this um, partnership is I had the privilege last week to talk to the CEO, Therese Gearhart, as well as one of its co-founders, Edna Morris, you know, about the beginnings of this organization and how it started, where it's been and where it's going. And the, you know, the, the, the growth of, or the, the founding of this, this concept is just what I told you, you know, we were just, women were just craving uh, more conversations, our shared experiences. They're different. Um, you know, I could, I'd probably need to crack open a beer on this podcast, but I could tell you some horror stories. You know, I'm older than you are. Um, so, you know, my career started, you know, in the late nineties and early knots and things were different then. And, you know, just things like get me a coffee or, Hey, I've got an idea and not, not being heard or not having a peer. And, you know, these are, these are conversations that inspired Edna and her 13 uh, peers in the industry to get this organization started. The fact that we're still having some of these conversations is daunting, um, but 
you know, as they mentioned, this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Change has indeed happened. We've seen the needle move. Um, I would like to see it move faster. They would like to see it move faster. This is a huge industry. It will take, um, you know, it'll take <laughs> some major undertakings and it will take time. And I think that the WFF is best positioned uh, to lead the industry through this continued progress, uh, you know, for the foreseeable future. They got 35 years of experience doing this and, um, you know, they're going to guide us for at least another 35 years. I know I kind of want to end with something more positive and inspiring. So I was on the call with Edna Morris and was very inspired as I was producing that. But you've also talked about all these women you've interviewed over the past year and a half. What are some takeaways that you've gotten from these discussions that you can kind of impart on our listeners? Takeaways from this are that a lot of progress has been made, but there's still a lot of work to be done. And I don't know how to slice that in a in a more optimistic way. You know, the reality is there's still a lot more that me- needs to be done. When we were talking to, you know, it, Tracy Skeens, for example, who, you know, is one of the highest ranking, if not the highest ranking females in this industry for young brands, is talking, is sharing with an audience that, uh, you know, she was asked to move seats at a board meeting, you know, or... Sarah King, who's the WFF chair this year, you know, asked to fetch coffee, things like that. Are those, are those things getting better? Yes. So every single one of the women I've talked to have shared to me that the biggest, I guess, aha moment that they've had is just by starting the conversations and sharing those lived experiences, and then they're able to maybe work their way through maybe some solutions um, or at the very least feel better that they're not crazy, uh, that they're not alone. I think the most intriguing conversation, and this was an off-the-record conversation, so I'm certainly not going to share who it was from, uh, but a very trusted source of mine was expressing her frustration with a conference that was very heavily male-dominated. And she just pointed out, look at all these men are here having conversations and there's no, the women aren't doing this. There's not enough women to be having these conversations. And if there are women here, they're involved in the conversations with the men and that's fine. But there are important decisions being made at these conferences in these, in these corners, in these, you know, very casual, organic conversations, not on stage, not in a session, on, but on the, at the bar, on the golf course, really critical conversations that are happening where decisions are being made. That's all we want is to be involved in those conversations and to have input in the decisions coming from those conversations. So I think the informality of it is something that can't be overstated. And you need numbers for that kind of organic informality. Um, to be involved in those conversations. We talk about a table and the seat at the table. I want to make sure that we're not just talking about the table in a board meeting. We're talking about those decisions being made at the bar at a conference, you know, for example. Um, You know, and, and I think to get there again, there's a lot of work that needs to be done, but it starts with numbers and it starts with visibility. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of First Bite. We'll be back on Monday with a brand new one. Until then, stay up to date with all your news on NRN.com. 